Will you all bow with me before we read the scriptures? Father, I'm so thankful for the truth of the word of God. Lord, it is your gift to us, and I pray that you would please now help us all to hear it rightly, to listen rightly, and to, of course, respond rightly, and I pray that you would please help me to preach it rightly, not to add anything to it or take anything away from it. Lord, I pray that you would please be drawing sinners to yourself and also building up the saints. So please help us all to hear and respond rightly. And I pray it in Jesus' perfect name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Jeremiah 26 this morning. Jeremiah 26, verses 1 through 11. And this is what it says. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord all the words that I command you to speak to them. Do not hold back a word. It may be they will listen and everyone turn from his evil way that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, If you will not listen to me to walk in my law that I have set before you and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I send to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. The priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking the words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city be a, a desolation without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city as you have heard with your own ears. This is the word of God. Well, this morning I've, I've um, titled... The message, this. This is normal. This is biblical, rather, Christianity. At first I had normal, then I changed it to biblical. This is biblical Christianity. And I want us to see that in this message today. As your pastor, there's a, there's a type of Christian that I'm trying to help you become. With God's word, Sunday after Sunday, I try to feed you a steady diet and a healthy diet of the Word of God. That's what I do as your pastor Sunday after Sunday. And then also, when not in the pulpit, day by day, when interacting with you, again, with God's help, I try to model the Word of God before you. And then also, one-on-one, privately, um, when you need counsel or when you need advice or, or help in some way, I also try to, again with the Lord's help, point you to the Word of God. So whether I'm feeding you a steady diet of the Word of God up here or whether I'm modeling truth to you 
from the Word of God or whether I'm giving you this counsel and advice pointing you to the Word of God, it's because I'm trying to help you all become the type of Christian we see in the Bible, and that's a biblical Christian according to the Word of God. That's my goal. That's what I want. That's what I'm going to be held accountable for even on the Day of Judgment. The truth is, I don't necessarily want you to be an American Christian or a modern Christian and definitely not a popular Christian. The truth is that the more biblical you become as a Christian, you'll find that some things that America promotes as praiseworthy, the Bible condemns as not worthy of praise at all. And the more biblical you become, the less modern you might seem to the culture as well, because what is kind of considered modern sometimes is you need to do this in order to be modern because everyone else is doing this, so therefore you need to be doing this as well. And sometimes those things that people say, you know, you need to kind of get with the program and get up to speed. Everyone's doing it this way now. It's not always biblical either. And the more biblical you become, the less popular you will be in certain circles as well, right? I mean, look at Jesus, who was absolutely perfect. There were times when he was popular. Just as it says in the Pilgrim's Progress, there's, there's a gentleman that says, oh, oh, we love to follow Jesus when he's walking, they said, in his silver slippers and being praised by the crowd, but we don't like to follow him when he's in his rags. Is what the, one of the gentlemen says to Christian as he's, as he's on his journey to the celestial city. Meaning we don't really care for him much when he's not popular and dressed nice and being praised by the masses. And see, that's the kind of Christian that I don't want you to be like. Because the truth is, the real Christians are going to start to stand out, I believe, even more and more and more as our society continues to reject biblical Christianity and continues to vilify biblical Christianity more and more and more. The true, real Christians are going to stand out more because they're going to more mirror what we see of the biblical followers of the Lord, which I'm going to show you and make comparisons to in our text today. So speaking of our text, let's jump right into it because I want to show you this in uh, verse 2. There in Jeremiah 26, if you've got your Bible open or if it's on the screen behind me, verse 2, that says the Lord, so this is the Lord, Yahweh, speaking to his servant Jeremiah, the prophet, during a time when speaking the truth was not popular, as we saw, what's he say? Stand where? In the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come into worship in the house of of the Lord, all the words that I command you. So we see where he is to speak in the house of the Lord. So you're going to go to the temple and you're going to be in the outer court speaking this message to these people that actually call themselves God followers. And he tells them not only tells them not only where to speak in the house of the Lord, to whom to speak, to all the cities of Judah. So by this time, if you're not familiar. Israel has already been split into two groups. 
After King Solomon's son, foolish son, Rehoboam, split the kingdom because of his foolishness, and people said, no, 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 we're not having that. The other one said, no, he's, he's of our tribe, so, so, so let's stay with him. He split the kingdom. Well, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are the two kingdoms, also called Israel and Judah. The northern kingdoms, they've already been carried off because they were so wicked. They were so much more wicked than the southern kingdom. They've already been carried off. So now Jeremiah a prophet to the southern kingdom, also called Judah. He's here saying, you guys need to turn. Because just like what happened up north, the Assyrians came and invaded them and took them away. The Babylonians are coming for you. And so that's who he's said to speak to. The cities of Judah, the ones that are still left. And they've come to, it says, worship in the house of the Lord. Sounds like they're the good guys. They're at the temple And they're worshiping. Let's keep going. And God says, speak all the words that I command you. So where he is to speak, to whom he is to speak, and what he is to speak. And then, did you notice at the end of verse 2 it says this? Do not hold back a word. Why would the Lord say that to him? Why would the Lord say, don't hold back a word? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because we get tempted to alter the message. We do. When it's hard, scary, difficult, we get tempted to want to soften the message. Because we know if we soften the message, well, people won't hate us as much. And it might not be as dangerous. If I just say, God loves you, well, everybody likes that. But if I give the whole gospel, which starts out with, you're actually a sinner, separated from God by your wicked deeds. That's what the Bible says. Well, that's the part that's not so popular. And calling all sin, sin, that part's not so popular either. That's why we even avoid it in our own lives sometimes too, don't we? I'm talking about other people and pronouncing a message among other people, but what about the sin in our own lives that we sort of tend to Avoid too. Soften the edges of so that it's not that bad. So God says, don't hold back a word. And that's true for us too. And what we read in the word of God for ourselves, and what we believe in the word of God for ourselves, none of it's to be held back. Especially not when we're proclaiming it to others. Do not hold back a word. So let me tell you, let me encourage you when it's hard when you're around people who are making fun of Christianity, even making fun of you. I've had that happen. Someone just opened me, openly mocked me to others that were listening. Listen to what he said. He said it out loud. Don't hold back a word. I'm telling you right now, you will be tempted to alter the message. And God says to a prophet, do not hold back a word. And now he says why he's going to do this. Why does he want to pronounce this to this people? Because he's just like, ooh, I can't wait to judge them. Ooh, they're so evil. I hate them. No. Verse 3 tells us why he's saying go to them again. Because this is not the first sermon he's preached. Some of you are just entering into this sermon series. We're going through the book of Jeremiah. On chapter 26, as you see, this is not the first time he's spoken to the people of God. What's he saying in verse 3 as to why he wants him to speak to them? It may be that they will listen. And everyone turn from his evil way. 
Why, God? Why do you want to do that? Why do, you, why do you want them to turn away from their evil way? That I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. Because of their evil deeds. Because of their evil deeds. See, God's a righteous judge. That means he's right. Everything he thinks and says and does, it's right. And what are these people doing? Evil. But, whoa, I thought, I thought these were the people of God. Well, they are. They are the Jews. I thought, Cohen, I thought you said that they were at the temple. That's the good place to be. That's, that's the holy place. Yes, they're in the right place. And you said that they came there to worship. So they're doing the right thing, right? So, what, so what's the problem? The problem is their evil deeds. It doesn't matter their pedigree or their location or their external actions. What matters is what's really true about their hearts. That's what, that, that's what matters. That's what matters for them. That's what matters for us, right? God wants them to turn. This is why God is sending Jeremiah, so they'll repent. Do you see how patient he is? If you had been reading in the Old Testament up to this point, by the way, you would say, He's far more patient than I would have been. I'm telling you right now, he's far more patient than I would have been. Thank the Lord, I'm not God of all the universe. You don't want that. I don't want that. I'm not wise enough, patient enough, humble enough, none of that. I was actually made to worship the one who is all those things, and so are you. You were made for that reason. And what's the message? Verse 4. You shall say to them. This is exactly what he wants them to say. More than likely, it's a summation because it was probably more than just a few sentences. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if... So this is conditional upon them. If you will listen to me and Walk in my law that I've set before you and listen to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I'm sending you urgently. Though you have not listened, then I will make this house, then I will make this house like Shiloh in the city of curse. So he says, I'm sorry, I think I, I, think I left out not earlier. If I didn't, okay, but I think I left out not. If you will not listen to me, forgive me if I left that out. So if you won't listen to me, if you won't walk in my laws, and if you won't listen to my prophets, the people that I sent in my name with my word, then this is going to happen. So do you see that? It's an if-then statement. So it's conditional on them listening with an ear to obedience. Up to this point, those of you who are new, up to this point, we've learned from this book already. It's a listening that shows itself in obedience. Just like Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He doesn't mean just hear it. He doesn't mean, you know what, just, just put the audio Bible on. That's all I want. I just want you to hear it. No, it's, it's a hearing that's also coupled with an obeying. I want to do these things. So, so he says, if you don't do this, though you've not listened, he says, up, up, up to this point, you've not listened with obedience because your deeds are evil. I've already made that clear. Then I'll make this house like Shiloh. I'll make the city a curse for all the nations. What's he mean like Shiloh? 
Okay, maybe you're not as familiar with some parts of the Old Testament, and that's okay, we're all learning. Let me tell you what happened in Shiloh. You actually know this, but you don't realize you know it. Remember Hannah in the Old Testament who couldn't have a baby, and she goes and prays at the temple. It was not actually the temple yet. It was still the tabernacle at that point. And the priest Eli says, this woman's drunk, remember, because she was sitting there mumbling her prayers. And she's like, no, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm praying. I, I want a child. And she makes a promise. And she says, oh, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll dedicate him to you. And remember his name, little Samuel is born, right? Well, Hannah keeps her word. Once he's weaned, she sends him there, makes him a little tunic and everything. And he lives with Eli there at the temple slash tabernacle. That's Shiloh. That area is Shiloh. You might remember God blessed little Samuel and spoke to little Samuel. Remember that night? Samuel, Samuel. And he runs to Eli. Yes, you called me? He says, no, 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 I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Does it again. Samuel, Samuel. Yes, you called me? No, no, no. And the third time he says, you know, I think the Lord's speaking to you. So if it happens again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. You might recall, he says to Samuel, you tell Eli that I'm upset with him because his son's are wicked, and they're going to die on the same day. See, Eli's sons were wicked. They were priests, but they were fornicators, and they were selfish and evil. And Eli didn't restrain them. He spoke against it. He said, hey, that's bad. Y'all shouldn't do that. But the Bible never shows that he actually physically restrained them, which he should have. And the Lord condemned Eli for that. Parents, that's a good word for us. It's not enough just to tell your children that are under your authority, under your roof still. And I want they move out there, their own adults, and, and I get that. But definitely, those of us who have children under our roof still, it's not enough for us to just say, that's bad, daddy doesn't approve of that. God said, you should have physically restrained them. Those wicked sons end up being a part of the group that takes the ark of God to a battle against the Philistines. The Philistines were the bad guys in the Old Testament for the most part, and they come against the people of God. And so the Israelites say, you know what? God's not really blessing us, and we're not really winning this battle. 4,000 of us have already died. Let's bring the ark of God to the battle Surely we'll have God in a box, as it were, and he'll fight for us. And so they bring the ark, and the Philistines slay 30,000 of them and steal the ark. Remember that? That's all that happened at Shiloh. That's what we're talking about, because the Philistines take the ark. Somebody from the tribe of Benjamin comes back, says, Eli's standing there. He's old. He's blind at this point. So he says, tell me, my son, what happened? And he says, well, I just came from the battle. Your sons both died, just like the Lord said. And then he said, and the ark of God has been captured. As you might recall, once hearing that, Eli, who was the very heavyset man, we're told, fell backwards and fell on his neck and died also. That's Shiloh incident that we're referring to here. So when Jeremiah says, I will make this house like Shiloh. They're saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean our enemies 
are going to come and invade us and take away the holy things, you mean people are going to die? No. No. You're wrong. That's what he was referring to. I shall make the city a curse for all the nations. That's what he's referring to. How is that received? How is this message received to the people of God, in the place of God, doing God things? How do they receive that? Well, let's see. Verse, verse 7. How, how is this message received? The priests and the prophets. Wait a second. We need to back up. The priests and the prophets. Okay? We're not just talking about average pagan guys that stumbled out of the bar. The priests and the prophets heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, the priests and the prophets laid hold of him saying, you shall die. Jeremiah was obedient to speak the word of God. Verse 8 makes that clear, by the way. When he had finished speaking all that the Lord commanded him. Now we see why he would be tempted to alter the message. He wasn't so dumb. He's not so naive to think that these people were not going to like this. He knew that people were going to be angry at him. They've already conspired to kill him earlier on in this book. He wasn't born yesterday, and he's been around the block many times. They said, you shall die. I guarantee you, none of you in here, as zealous as you are, sharing the truth. Okay, I say I guarantee. It's highly improbable that someone's ever actually tried to kill you for being a Christian. You've probably been made fun of. You've probably lost a job or lost a promotion or something like that. If you are truly a zealous Christian or maybe not gotten something that should have come to you and whatever it was, but I highly doubt anyone's ever said, I'm going to kill you. Like, really? So Jeremiah would have been tempted to alter the message, but he didn't. And these priests and prophets are the ones saying this to him. Listen to what Warren Wearsby said about what Jeremiah preached. He says, Jeremiah preached exactly what God commanded him to preach and didn't alter the message in order to please the people. The false prophets preached what the people Wanted to hear, but Jeremiah preached what the people needed to hear. That was the difference between these priests and prophets that were coming against God's man. They were people pleasers. Jeremiah was a God pleaser. And that's your normal Christianity too. You will be tempted to be a people pleaser. To go along with the American culture, the popular culture, the modern things, or you can be biblical. And you'll have to stand against this tide as he did and take the lumps. Now, why I say this is normal is because guess what? Jeremiah is doing this. Jeremiah spoke all the words that were commanded him. Well, who else did that in scripture? The Lord Jesus spoke all the words that God commanded him as well. Listen to John 17, 8. 
This is where he's praying the high priestly prayer. For I have given them, he's speaking to the Father, I've given them the words that you gave me, and they've received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. They've believed that you sent me. So Jesus even says, I have given them the words you gave me. Jeremiah could say that too. He could say, I gave them the words that you gave me. He did say that. I preached all the things that you told me to preach. Jesus says, I gave all the words that you wanted me to give. And we also are in that pattern too. We have to follow that pattern. This is biblical Christianity. This is biblical following of the Lord. This is what it looks like. We also give the whole counsel of the word of God, not holding anything back, even when it's unpopular, or I should say, especially when it's unpopular especially when it's unpopular. For the sake of people not liking us? No, I'm not saying go out there and try to find the persecution, make it happen. We could all do that. We could just go out there and be total jerks and people not like us. That's easy to do. I'm just talking about being biblical. When you're trying to love people and they still hate you. And I say love with the biblical understanding of love. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the propitiation for our sins. See, that's love. Him sending Jesus as the payment that satisfies for our sins, not letting us live in our sin. See, the world defines love like that, right? Love is love, meaning I can just do what I want. And if you love me, you'll, you'll let me do what I want. That's not love. Being loving is giving you what's best for you. What's best for you is forgiveness of your sins. So the religious leaders lay hold of Jeremiah and they want to kill him. Do you see that in verse 8? You shall die. That happened to anybody else after Jeremiah in the New Testament and the Gospels? Anybody lay hold of anyone for speaking the truth and saying, You shall die? It happened to Jesus too, didn't it? That's the, that's the pattern we get. Listen to Matthew 26, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people, remember who laid hold of Jeremiah, priests, prophets, false prophets, who's laying hold of Jesus? Chief priests, elders of the people, gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name is Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to kill Jesus by stealth, take him by stealth, and kill him. And we know that they, of course, did that. It was God's plan. They also conspired. They also said he should die. Now let's keep going in our text. Verse 9. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying this house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? Now see, they add actually a little bit more there that we didn't get from verse 4 and 5 and 6. In verse 4 and 5 and 6, he didn't say without inhabitant. That's why I said probably verse 4, 5, and 6 are like a micro version of what all was said. So apparently he also said it's going to be without inhabitant, meaning people aren't aren't going to live here, which he's already said earlier. People of the north, the Babylonians are going to come in and invade you and take you away, kill you. And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord saying these things? You know what's interesting they're trying to, <laughs> this, is, this is interesting, they're trying to be good Jews and keep the law because Deuteronomy 19, what's it say about false prophets? What are they supposed to do to false prophets? 
supposed to stone them, right? So here they are saying, well, we need to follow, we need to follow the law. We need to do what the law says. <laughs> and Jeremiah's like, yes, you need to do what the law says. Isn't it interesting how sinful man will pick and choose what truths he wants to like out of the Bible? Do we do that in our culture? Absolutely we do. The most favorite one that I've heard thrown at me is Matthew 7.1. Cohen, the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. Okay. Yes, if by judge not you mean make moral assessments, because that's, that's all I'm doing ever, it's just making moral assessments. This is sin, this is righteousness, I'm just looking at lifestyles or looking at even my life and making a moral assessment. If Jesus didn't mean to do that, if, if you're saying that's bad, then why is it then in that same chapter, same chapter, Matthew chapter 7, later on he says, watch out for false prophets. They go around in sheep's clothing. You'll know them by their fruit. So Jesus, you're telling me to look at their life and make a moral assessment? Look at their fruit of their life and make a moral assessment? It happens in our day too. It happens in Baptist circles too. People picking certain verses they like better than others while ignoring other ones. So here they are, the people of God in the place of God, doing God things, even doing some God things from the Old Testament but just the ones that they like, just the ones that are most convenient. You know, those prophets that say the stuff that we don't like to hear, they're the bad ones. You guys that say the stuff we, I mean, I'm sorry, don't like to hear, they're the bad ones. You guys that say the stuff that we like to hear, you're the good ones. We'll let you stay around. That happening in our country? Absolutely. Look at the church recently that got really popular Super Bowl Sunday, punted a Bible across the stage. Ha <laughs> ha, that's so funny. And had Garth Brooks songs during worship and all these things. If I'm not mistaken, I heard they had 3,400 in the crowd. 3,400. I think this morning we have about 34. So we're a little less than them, right? But one has truth and one doesn't. And I'm not saying, therefore I'm better than them. Heavens no. Heavens no. I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to be in the kingdom. God was gracious to me, as he's gracious to all sinners. Amen? The people gathered around them in the house of the Lord. Verse 10, when the officials heard these things, they came up to the king's house and took their seat in the new gate. And the priests of the people said to the officials, this man deserves a sentence of death. Why, in verse 11, does he deserve the sentence of death? Because he's prophesied against this city, as you've heard with your own ears. Jeremiah was prophesying against that city for their evil deeds. He was prophesying things that they didn't like to hear, like this temple, people are going to come and invade it, tear it down. Anyone else after him prophesy about a temple being torn down? Anyone else do that? And the people didn't like it? Listen to Luke 19. Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. When he drew, that's Jesus, when he drew near to the, and saw the city, Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, 
Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that would make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you, what days, Jesus? Tell us. When your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And they didn't like that message either. <clears throat> this quote is often quoted as if it's from Billy Graham, but it was actually his wife Ruth that said it in response to reading notes from one of his books that was about to be published when it was said, if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You've heard that quote, I'm sure. <clears throat> There's going to be people also that, when we talk about America deserving judgment, maybe even in some American churches deserving judgment, because they've lapsed so far from the word of God, they're going to say, how dare you? Why? Because certain things have gotten elevated above the word of God. I'm as patriotic as the next guy. But I love God more than I love any country. I love truth more than I love any country. It's not the country so much that I have my allegiance to, though I know our pledge says, I pledge allegiance to the flag, right? Ultimately, the Christians, normal Christian allegiance is to God over country. I know the prophet is saying is God and country. How about just God? Because <laughs> I'm more devoted to God, even than I'm my own country. You see, their downfall was they were so devoted to a city and bricks and stones and things like that. And Jesus even made clear when the temple was, when the veil was torn and when the temple was destroyed. That was just pointing to something greater. The church, the people are the temple now. And Jesus is the great high priest. And Jesus is all the sacrifices. It's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Let me say this to you, and I'm almost done. You'll be far less concerned what men might do to you when you're much more focused on what God has already done for you. You'll be far less concerned what men might do to you when you're so much more concerned about what God has already done for you. You won't fear man as much because you'll be focused on what God's already done for you in Jesus Christ. Let me say this also. You'll be far less concerned about your own safety when you're more concerned about their safety. See, Jeremiah's message was repent. Turn away from your evil. God might relent of this disaster he's bringing upon you. And we see that with Nineveh. Jonah said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people repented and God relented. These people didn't repent, though. See, they were, Jeremiah was concerned about their safety, not his own safety. And that'll flip a switch in your mind. That'll flip a switch in your mind and in your heart, and it'll make your fear melt 
when you're more concerned about people hearing the gospel so that they will be saved than you are so concerned about your own safety with what if I share the gospel and they do this and they say this and what if they make fun of me and they don't like me and I'm not popular anymore? Who cares? You told them the truth and they might get saved. It flips the switch in your mind. I'm telling you, it does. Hebrews 13.6 says this. Hold on to this because this is good for you. Hebrews 13.6 says this. You can break it up into three parts. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what can man do to me. Those three things are powerful, aren't they? The Lord's my helper. He's going to help you share this truth. I will not fear. Why? What can man do to me? Jay and I were talking about this on Wednesday night. The worst they can do to you is kill you. And then guess what? Straight to heaven. Because of your sins being forgiven by the Lord. This is normal Christianity too. Matthew 10, 16 through 20. Matthew 10, 16 through 20. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Excuse me? Last I checked, it doesn't work out so well for the sheep. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them, the Gentiles, when they deliver you over, don't be anxious what you are to speak, what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speak, the Spirit, the Father speaking through you. That was normal. That's normal. They're not going to like you. Beware of them, Jesus says. But not beware in the fact that you should be afraid of them because it says don't be afraid of them. Beware meaning... Look out for who they really are. This is what they're really like. Once you start speaking truth, it's going to come out what they're really like. I just got a part-time job recently, and things are going well, but that's because I really don't get to talk a lot. I'm kind of in the back doing my job, and, but I'm thinking in my head the whole time, well, if they, if they start asking me some questions about what I believe, like, like they're okay with me now, but if they start asking me more, oh, I heard you're a pastor. Tell me, what do you think about this? <laughs> be like, well, buckle up. <laughs> this is what the Bible says about that. I'm thinking, once they get to know me better, they might not like me as much. Now, is that making me want to like be quiet? No, it's not at all. And when I get to share truth, I do. But just beware of them in that what they really are like is going to come out. Matthew 10, 25. Jesus speaking about himself. If they call the master of the house Beelzebul, that's another name for the devil, how much more will they malign those of his household? Jesus is the master of the house. Here we are, uh, servants, right? Um, If they hated Jesus and he's perfect, what can we expect? That's basically what I'm trying to say here is this is normal Christianity. When you speak truth, sinners that love sin and don't love righteousness, aren't going to love the message, and therefore they're not going to love you. But you don't have to be afraid of them. God's with you. What can they do to you? Because if you're in Christ, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, because Jesus came as the righteous servant of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who's tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin, sinless Savior died in our place take the punishment that we deserve. And he rose again on the third day. And if you put your faith and trust in him, 
believing who he says he is, believing what he did is real, believing that what he did applies to you, then you're in the kingdom and you're a child of God because of the truth of the word of God. And man can't alter that. No man can alter that ever. You're his and you're doubly held. He said, you're in my hand and you're in the Father's hand. What can man ultimately do to you? So don't fear. Be more concerned about their safety than your safety and be more concerned about God liking you than man liking you and just know and join me also. I'm inviting you. Join me in biblical Christianity. Father, we thank you for this truth and I pray that you would please help us to stand in this pattern that we're seeing with Jeremiah and Jesus, later with the apostles and with us. Lord, help us to live and walk in this pattern of biblical Christianity and to stand on the truth knowing that you're with us and you help us and ultimately man cannot do anything to us that's really not ordained by you in the first place. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.